What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. All right, what's up, and welcome back to episode 18, the Thanksgiving Day edition of the Crude Oil Podcast. How's it going, Sean? Pretty good. It's been a good weekend. Yeah. Lots so. going on in your world, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. I'll good keep stuff. the personal stuff on the personal side, but it's yeah. all good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. No, um, it, it was a really fulfilling weekend, too, just getting to be with family. So, um, yeah, glad to be back. But it's amazing to think, like, we've got a brand new fucking season starting. Yeah. Wednesday. In T-minus almost 24 hours, uh, or sorry, 40, 51 hours from now. <laughs> yeah. Math yeah. is hard. Yeah. It's no my kidding. off day. I don't do math on off days. <laughs> it's uh it's exciting like wednesday's gonna come here and and um it's gonna be all the all the waiting's gonna come to an end finally but uh lots of stuff to get to um just with respect to all of the oilers notes over the past uh week um we, we might as well just dive straight into it i think where we left off the oilers uh, we're heading to Penticton. Oh, no, they, they played the Canucks first, right? Yeah, we got yeah. to watch a game on TV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's so exciting. And they actually <laughs> dominated the Canucks. Yeah. Especially in the third period. Yeah, it was uh, um, it was fun to watch. I, I, I'm getting bored of these preseason games. The longer oh, yeah. longer they go on, it's just yeah. like, I, I, why bother investing your time in it? But Well, exactly. And for anybody who didn't know, Edmonton beat the Canucks 7-2 with our essentially full NHL roster against their not-so-NHL roster. <laughs> um, so it was it was pretty fun to watch. And overall, I wish all the preseason games were on TV and I might watch all of them more because the game in Abbotsford was dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> another week, another shitty uh, broadcast. But we, we can't glance past the uh, Holloway Hattie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hollywood lit it up, hey? I'm pretty sure after that game, everyone has Holloway penciled in on Drysaddle's wing for about 82 games this season. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to score, like, 60. If he <laughs> plays with Drysaddle for the entire season, I could see him doing, like, a 20-goal, 40-assist for 60-point season or something like that. That'd be a solid rookie solid rookie campaign but i mean i think that I would make put... him if he does stick with dry saddle the whole year i would put him in the top like easily top three for the calder trophy yeah i i, I wouldn't mind throwing some money down on that right now it well we'll, we'll check out the odds after this yeah. game and see <laughs> i don't want to be one of those podcasts that's like here's the puck line and the money line and here's this and that and bet all your money and lose it all uh if you're but... betting off of my take you're an idiot to begin with so that's that's fair <laughs> anybody who would follow me would lose so much money yeah so it was uh um kind of a a slapping of the canucks on i think it was tuesday all right another news uh yamamoto i think he got hit in that game right yeah so essentially de kaiser kind of ran him into the boards um with the trip which i find kind of funny so i was watching the game with my cousin mm-hmm. and before that, we noticed the fourth line was getting rolled in with McDavid on some shifts. Yeah. So it was like Shore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we hadn't seen Yamamoto in a while. And we're like, oh, fuck, Yamamoto must be hurt. And then all of a sudden, a few shifts later, he shows up. And we're all excited. We're like, yeah, he's back. He's back. And then DeKaiser immediately does that. And we're just looking at each other. We're like, we jinxed it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? But then Yamamoto got up and kept playing out throughout the game. And then ultimately, he's not that banged up. It sounds like he just, like, he missed a couple of the preseason games that were remaining, which is fine. 
but from what I gather, he's supposed to be in the lineup for the opening night. Well, yeah, and the last thing that you want to happen is, like, have a guy play unnecessary preseason games and then, you know, you're out a player um, to start the season. So uh, I hope they just, you know, kind of maintenance um, the whole way through, but yeah. And then uh, Benson, on the other hand, I have no clue what he even did to himself. I didn't really see it. Yeah, I, I didn't see that either. Uh, but you never, never like to hear that. <laughs> like in the preseason, it just it makes me cringe. I hate when um, injuries occur because I mean, and and it goes back to the point that I was making last week. Like, do we need eight fucking games to figure out who's making the team? No, and it just opens you up for these injuries to happen when you have all of these fucking games playing. Yeah, and um, Benson is on LTIR, by the way. Okay, I just double checked to make sure that that was the case. Um, so, but he, effectively, he's made the team. Hey. Um, I think so. At the at a minimum, he might be the extra forward, but we'll see how the cap implications happen. Um, I'm picturing him top line in Bakersfield, and if not, then he's playing fourth line in Edmonton. Yeah. But we'll get to uh, the final roster projections once we're done all the news and notes here. Yeah. But currently, Shore might fit on that, but yeah, it's our argument between him and uh, some other players. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The Oilers head to Penticton. Looked like they had a little bit of fun there. Well, no, they, it wasn't Penticton. I don't know why I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why the fuck I keep saying Penticton. Yeah, you even said Penticton before. Yeah, I know. That's where they had the rookie camp, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why it's in my head. Yes, Abbotsford. Much uh, closer to Vancouver, but um, they head in there. And then uh, they were playing at the barn. I was doing some uh, some research. I didn't realize like Vancouver's farm club moved so close. Oh, yeah, they're the Abbotsford Canucks now, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that was previously Calgary's farm team, the Abbotsford Heat. Right. And they swapped or something like that. There was some sort of three-way swap between teams because now yeah. Calgary has... Well, Calgary moved Calgary. their team too. Yeah, they moved their team to Calgary, yeah. I believe. Which, I mean, that's got to be a busy barn when you think about it because you have the Saddle Dome you have to compete with... Um, you have to compete with the uh, the Flames. You've got the... Uh, the Hitman playing there as well, like it's, it's true. a busy place. I mean, I'd be pretty happy if we had an AHL team here, but um, for anybody who's listening, you might be able to hear the furnace in the background. Just turn on. I think you it's know, fine. It's very quiet. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna pick it up. We'll see. The the look on my face was just like fuck something else. Yeah, we're we're in a different space right now, so we're testing out some things that happen. So God forbid the toilet flushes, or else we're all screwed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. We live it. We live in Canada. The fucking furnace has got to kick in eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a weird game. Um, it was an undisciplined game. Uh, yeah, like to be fair, I yeah. didn't really watch it. I watched a bit of it. I tried, but I I couldn't handle the volume. Yeah. The audio was some of the worst audio I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was complaining about that first game of the year. This was so much worse. My guy, uh, Pete Blackburn on Twitter, uh, uh, clipped the McDavid goal. He's like, why does this look like it's in 1995? <laughs> like, it's just like, it makes it makes no sense why we're still fighting this. I get uh, playing in Abbotsford, but you got to bring along some production team of some sort. Yeah. Bring at least a camera that's from this century. <laughs> but uh, McDavid did McDavid things, scored that beautiful uh, goal off the rush. Um, just excited to see everything that happens after that. Um, yeah, so moving on from Abbotsford, uh, there's some changes made, but not after the Edmonton Oilers had a little bit of fun. It looks like they went on a, a fishing trip the next day. Um, I know a lot of people were 
uh, kind of scrutinizing uh, Kane. I don't know if you saw his photo that he put up where he cropped uh, Vertanen out, out of it. Yeah. Um, so Clever. they went on the fishing trip the night before. Oh, was it? Yeah. So Holy that was shit. that was some of the excuses that are like you saw what they were doing yesterday, right? Like no wonder we lost, and we barely lost to Vancouver too. Yeah. So oh, and I don't think we actually measured the score was five to four for Vancouver. Um, yeah. It's... So it was it was a really close game overall, but yeah, they looked like they had some fun. Um, there's a picture of Barry where he's got his uh, his phone out in his beer can, and he's trying to hide his beer can behind his phone oh, so it doesn't look funny. like it. But you can clearly see it's a beer can in his hand. Yeah. But my favorite part about that whole trip is the pictures of Kane and Pugliarvi and some yeah. of those other guys just look looking like they're having fun. Yeah. And it's kind of a stark contrast to what you heard about Kane in the past with teammates and the oh, locker yeah. room and stuff. So based off of just those pictures alone with no context whatsoever, it appears like he is nothing but a positive impact in the locker room. Yeah, whatever whatever stuff like he's going through, um, obviously, like... He seems to be in a good space right now, and that that you can't hope for anything else. This is right why now. it's Oilers rehab. We bring Cassian <laughs> in, he does great. We bring Kane in, he does great. But that leads us to uh, we bring Vertanen in and we ship him right back out. Yeah, as Vertanen was released from his PTO, much to no one's surprise. Well, I just I don't know why the fuck it took so long. Honestly, I I don't know if they were just trying to play it out, but for a guy who is fighting for his NHL career. He just did not look like a willing participant. My favorite stat line was he had zero hits in five games as yeah, a power it's... forward in air quotes. Yeah. Because as big as he is, he sure as hell doesn't play like one. But I heard uh, some jokes that they were dropping off. Um, they're dropping off Rutan and closer to home. That's why they kept him until Abbotsford. Oh, my God. Just so they can give him the quick lift. It's the same with uh, dropping off Reed Schaefer in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't shocked when I saw that news. Um, and then uh, the kind of the following the following day, I mean, this is where things started to kind of – it wasn't really a shock, but to see Samarukov sent down and then to see Yanmark sent down. Like, I was – the only thing that shocked me was the fact that Samarukov wasn't claimed. I could say that for both players, honestly. Yeah, I like, guess. Yanmark's yeah. the type of guy who can play on your third line in a pinch. And I'm ex- very, very, very happy that he cleared yeah. because we have that ability to call him up now. That's true. If need be. Um, it gives us a good cushion versus whether he got claimed. But to be fair, I've seen it a thousand times where all these good players or air quotes good players get sent down through waivers and nobody call, like claims them. I think in total... Of the, like the two hundred players that were put on waivers over the past few days, there was like ten that who were claimed. Yeah, uh, it it felt like I don't know why it felt like uh, it used to be a big thing. It just you never hear too too much about it. But it kind of led to the the next step the Oilers took by uh, um, actually trading Samarukov. That was kind of a shocker uh, from the perspective of I thought he would be a guy that you'd see in an Oilers uniform. But I mean. There's a log jam at D. There's nowhere to put him. I think the biggest fact is um, Niemelainen pass him on the depth charts. Yeah. If Niemelainen hasn't become the player that he is now, then there's no way they would have got rid of Samarukov. Mm. Um, and I think they want Broberg to have more responsibility in Bakersfield, and Samarukov is not in the way per se, but mm. I don't know, direct competition. I don't think competition's a bad thing, mind you. Um, at the end of the day, though, the most important part about this, 
for anybody who doesn't know, Sam Rukoff was traded for Klim Costin from the St. Louis Blues. Um, the biggest part is salary. I know it's very minor. $25,000. It's very minor, but considering with the current roster that uh, I've seen quoted today, they're like $167 under, or under the cap. Oh, based so, off of the moves that the the yeah. coordinating moves that they'll make. Ah, yeah. So without that trade, they could have been fucked, yeah. or they would have had to send some other guys down through, um, through waivers that they didn't want to. And I, I'm honestly, I'm happy with the return too. Like Clem Cosson's a big power forward, uh, six foot three, two fifteen. Like he's um, got soft hands. I that's don't, I don't know how physical he really plays, but it's, it's just nice to kind of get that that forward depth again. Uh, yeah. down in, in Baco and maybe push some guys up. But Well, there was another thing that I saw, too, with uh, Benson being injured, Savoy being injured, Lavoie is injured. <laughs> they have no wingers down there right now to play. It's Yeah, it's it's kind of a shit show down there, eh? Yeah, it's essentially it's, what, Tyler Tulio yeah. like, is their top kind of winger right now. <laughs> not Nothing against Tyler Tulio, but he's not experienced. Well, I guess they have, like, Griffith and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just nobody down there right now. And one thing that's important to note is both Samarukov and Kostin had cleared waivers previously. Yeah. So they so both a... get to get swapped to their AHL teams. Right. Yeah. So it's not like one of those moments where you <laughs> claim a guy who is on the roster and he has to stay on the roster for 30 days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of the, the biggest, I guess, move of the week. Um, and then the, uh, yeah, the Oilers head into play their final game against Seattle. I thought it was Saturday. I don't know why I thought um, the game was going to be on Saturday, but... Uh, yeah, it was on Friday. I watched the game with my dad. Yeah, yeah. But a 5-3 um, win against the Kraken, honestly, did not watch the game because I obviously didn't know what day it was. I watched the um, whole game. It was yeah. a it was a classic, uh, quiet four points for Dreisaitl. I saw, saw, I saw the highlights when I was at the gym the next day, but I saw the, the goal that like basically went off of him and in the net, like the goalie played it. It was just so funny to watch his reaction after the puck hit his shin pads. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> just, like, watched it go in. Oh, so funny. Yeah, but, the the German connection with Grubauer off Dreisaitl was something else. Yeah. It was Shades of Mike Smith when I was watching it. <laughs> I was just like, thank God we don't have that in our net anymore. Because I could see that happen a few times this Remember year. Remember when? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that finalized everything, which uh, kind of led to the, the roster moves to get us set up for Wednesday, which is exciting. Um, that included, uh, sending down shore. Um, I, uh, I saw a funny thing with, I think it was Daniel Nugent Bowman who was in the room and apparently when he cleared waivers, he like threw his arms up and he's like, nobody wants me. <laughs> and he's just happy cause he, he gets to stay in Edmonton. I yeah. Think. I was reading that tweet where essentially he's like my family, like they've, we've been here for a few years. Everyone's yeah. very comfortable. I really like this organization. So I'm very excited. Nobody claimed me. Well, and you look at McDavid after he scored the goal in Calgary, like when he's running down the tunnel and Devin Shores being the hype man for the entire team. Like, I think the team loves him, so it's good that he's uh, still in the organization. He's but. the perfect, like, 13th forward type player. Yeah. Very versatile, a good team player, things like that. Yeah. I, I know last week I said I could do without him, but, I mean, he's kind of the fringe player for me anyway, so, yeah, maybe 13th forward is the, the perfect uh, analogy there. Um did I miss anything? Uh, well, they also sent down Malone at one point, and he cleared waivers, but they've called him back up. Right. Um, and they assigned Hamlin to Bakersfield. Um, I don't think anybody's overly surprised by that, considering he's waiver-exempt. 
He did have a pretty good camp. I was going to say, he shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, I was very impressed considering going into this camp. He was kind of a no-namer to me. I never really had him in my mind, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, And overall, I was pretty impressed with his play. I think he could be a call-up with injuries, specifically at center, if we have a lot of issues there. Um, At the end of the day, though, he's too small. Yeah. And he's not set for that fourth line when we already have Derek Ryan there. Yeah, I, I still don't know what we're doing with the bottom, the bottom three, but that's good why. problem to have when we not, yeah. we're not like I can't wait for Jujar Kara to play <laughs> another season of fourth line center. That's too funny. Yeah, I like I guess that's why Woody gets paid much more than I do uh, to make these kinds of decisions. Yeah, um, there was one other note as well, and that was Jason Demers right. was released from his PTO. Yeah. Which I will not be surprised if somebody signs him. As he, like, had a, he had a decent camp. Yeah, whether it's seventh defenseman or yeah. a third pairing. Look at um, Vancouver right now Yeah, with their woes on the right side. Like, my roommate was reading out their right side roster to me before I left. <laughs> and, like, half the names, I was like, I don't know who any of those players are. Holy shit. I saw, same with, like, Montreal. Oh, I, Montreal is a Montreal. Well, they have three like, rookies. I, I just looked at the names. There was, like, one name that I recognized. I was like, yeah. holy shit. Like. Yeah, it's David Savard and kids. Yeah. It's in, insane. Um, but, yeah, I think that basically take takes care of everything. Um The report came out with what the Oilers were skating with today. So uh, I did see that Yamamoto was taking every second shift uh, skating on the fourth line. Uh, However, uh, we basically have the finalized roster um, that we're we're looking at on Wednesday. So um, no shocker. We've got uh, just ripped through the forwards. Kane, McDavid, Yamamoto, Holloway, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, McLeod, Fogel, Malone, Ryan, and Puyarvi. Throw that in a blender however you want. I, I don't know who's going to wind up playing where. It's going to be interesting because I've heard different people say, like, that uh, Fogel, Nuge, and McLeod, like, that line is set. Yeah, there's been a lot of people who feel that way. But and... I, I don't know if it was a shot at Mark Spector um, because it was kind of off the cuff from Woodcroft. But when he said uh, um, someone asked him about something, and it, it wasn't Mark Spector, it was someone else. And uh, he's like, you know, we're going to actually do the old, like, eye test and make changes on the fly. Like, we're not just going to say anything is set in stone. So I don't know if that's a coaching tactic. I don't know, whatever. But um, Well, it might be a good little uh, pat on the back, too, whether it's Pugliarvi or Yamamoto or Fogel, whichever one ends up on the fourth line, to be like, this isn't set in stone. Yeah. Like, we'll play with this. It's pretty much a play till we lose kind of attitude, and then we'll reconsider what we're doing here. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's definitely something that um, we'll have to, to see what they what they wind up doing. Because, I mean, I, they had the game with uh, uh, Pugliarvi on that line. I didn't mind it, but, I mean, Fogel had a good camp. So he got Fogel better Fogel has been very impressive this entire camp, I will say, especially with him starting to kill penalties as well. His value is increasing ever more every game. Um, people his are, salary fucking better. Well, I would hope so as well. I'm not saying that... Like, he just wasn't given a lot of opportunity, that's, I think, last year. Under Tippett never gave him really much no. to work with. They played him with, like, Ryan and Shore every single game and expected him to still put up, like, 15 goals. Yeah. So they didn't exactly set him up for success. And I will say this feels more like Woodcroft giving him more of a chance. Well, and the 
if they do end up going with Fogel on that line, the, the one thing that I like the aspect of him on that line is he brings more of a physical game because you already have two kind of like, I, they're not, McLeod and Nuge aren't going to bowl people over. No, they're not going to be the guys like digging in the corner. So you kind of need that, that grittiness, that edge, um, just to kind of, you know, massage out the line. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I mean, the only thing that I'm really, really looking forward to is to see Holloway with Dreisaitl. Like, I'm excited to see what can happen. Yeah. The art of the possibility is very high. So, With that I'm being said, play. do we yeah. need to temper our expectations a little bit? Mine, if he mine are extremely tempered. Yeah. I, I, I won't be upset if he gets sent down seven games in. So you're not sitting here being like, that's a auto 30 and 30. Like, it's no. done. No. Like, I'll, I'll stand by my statement. Like... I hope he fucking proves me wrong, and I hope he like lights it up and you know gets that sixty point season. But um, the uh, shit, what was I gonna say? I lost my train of thought. Train of thought. But the preseason results that we saw, I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, where you have Payarvi lighting it up and scoring a hat trick like he never turned into anything. Uh, I'm not saying Holloway is the same player, but I think you have to extremely temper NHL rosters. Um, against a rookie. Like, I think the good, the one thing to point out is the one uh, biggest comparison, I think, was Calgary. When they played Calgary, he didn't have his best game, and he kind of, like, fell back into the, the mix. I w- I'm curious if that was just, like, an overwhelming thing, because he was playing on the top line. That, too. Against, that too. like... I mean, Elias Lindholm, for example, who's, a like, a Selkie runner-up. Yeah, like, he was the best player on the ice for the Oilers that night. Oh, yeah. In terms of people being dressed, but yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, that wasn't saying much about the team at the time because mm-hmm. nobody really played particularly well. But yeah. like we said, it's preseason as well. So who really knows how to compare that? Because we're getting into the real meat and potatoes now, yeah. the games that actually matter. Mm-hmm. And we'll see who shows up for those games. Yes. So I know the rosters were due at 3 p.m. today. Um, and then uh, there's going to be some corresponding moves from the Edmonton Oilers, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, so the rumor currently is that Malone is going to be sent back down and Shore is going to be called back up to replace him. And this is purely for cap moves in the first place that they sent Shore down. Nothing Because I think Shore has always penciled in there. I don't think anybody watching camp was like, yeah, Malone earned that spot. Mm. Um, nothing against Malone. He just didn't do anything huge to stand out. I, I disagree. I thought he had a solid camp. Oh, I think he had a solid camp, but yeah. did he deserve to steal a roster spot from, from another Shore, player? Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I think Shore had a great camp. I thought he was okay. I thought I thought Devin Shore gave you Devin Shore. I just I, I really think that Brad Malone would fit nicely on this roster because he's a Swiss Army knife. Well, I think he fits nicely as a call up because of that. I guess, yeah. And it's similar to Shore, where like I said, he's the ideal thirteenth forward. Yeah, I won't disagree with the fact that you can call up um, Malone and kind of slot him in anywhere. So I think they're a very identical style of player. Yeah, they're both kind of like medium to eight. bigger body. They play pretty physical. They can play any role that you throw them into. They kill penalties. They play center. Yeah, like so. I think the only difference is Shore can be a little faster than Malone sometimes. Could you package those two and get them playing and maybe sit out a Derek Ryan if you need some more size in the lineup? Yeah. Um, I don't think we actually finished saying what the final D pairings and goalie oh, no. pairings were yeah. either. No, I... Yeah, we, um, we still need to get So that. the D pairings are Nurse Cece, Kulak Bouchard, Murray Berry with Broberg as the seventh defenseman, and Campbell and Skinner 
as everybody knows, as the goalies. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, the there's going to be some corresponding moves th- with uh, Broberg because I think the the deal is to move him down, as you mentioned, with the the cap kind of circumvention, uh, is to send him down and call up Nima Linen. Um, yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, essentially, Broberg will have his just base salary cap hit all season if he's on the opening day roster. Um, if he wasn't on the opening day roster and was called up midway through the year, all of his bonuses would also be applied to his base salary. So instead of the eight hundred and sixty or so thousand dollar cap hit, he'd be more around the one point seven million dollar cap hit range, which obviously does not work for Edmonton with the cap constraints that they have. The old paper transaction. Yeah, and that's the whole reason why Shore got sent down in the first place because he's making more than Malone. Therefore, the only way they could fit Broberg on the opening roster to have that bonus there was to have Malone there as well. Yeah. So, uh, having Broberg go down to uh, the Condors and play, he'll get meaningful minutes and he'll actually get to play like... He'll, he'll likely get those power play minutes that he won't get in Edmonton. Oh, for sure. It'll um, be some combination of like him and DeHarnay, maybe Kesselringer Camp. I don't know who the right side guy will be. And they'll be the top pairing there. He'll get the top power play, probably get some PK experience as well, and just keep building on the pretty decent AHL season he had last year. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that Murray's still here. I, I think mean, Murray has just been a very solid, quiet player, which, yeah. to be honest, I like that kind of player with Barry, somebody who's quiet and can maybe calm his game down a little <laughs> bit, or just make up for the fact when Barry's in his panic moments and he's just the calming force on the left side. Well, and you have two relatively veteran defensemen playing together. I, yeah. I hope that, that sticks. But who knows? Like, I mean, we've we've seen Woodcroft go with eleven and seven multiple times, so you don't know if that's going to get flipped around or what. But well, it's possible Nima Lina could play there too. That's yeah, because yeah. that's that's the other uh, rumor going around is that Broberg's going to be swapped with Nima Linen. right? Because then I think Nima Linen had a better camp than Broberg, so I think it's important to talk about Bro- Broberg quickly. That everybody had him penciled in in that third pairing the second Keith retired oh. and we re-signed Kulak. He did not earn the he didn't earn that spot he didn't do anything in camp that was like okay yeah he can stay here he kind of played himself out of that position by not doing anything in particular at camp from the outset like i i'm i think i've been firm we've been recording this podcast long enough i think i said it back then but um i as soon as nima Linen came onto the scene i knew right away that broberg doesn't like have a slot to just walk into and from everything that we've seen, like it's been a very much a toss-up. And then, of course, you add uh, a veteran and and Murray into the lineup. Like, there's going to be some healthy competition there. And I just don't think Broberg had it, enough of it to to prove that he's the guy for that position right now. Well, part of the problem is he did put on what, like twelve to fifteen pounds of yeah. muscle or something like that in the off season. And with a player like him, he's a great skater, right? He probably lost a bit of his step because of the like greater weight. He's kind of hulking around a little bit more. Not to say that he's probably still not like a well like what's the word I'm looking for. He has good form when he's yeah. skating. Like he just kind of lost some speed and some like acceleration. And in the NHL, if you lose the tiniest little bit of a step, you're fucked. So he needs to go back to the HL and kind of work on that a little bit, get his timing back. And then he would be a great midseason call-up. 
for sure. If we have any issues in like the top four um, on the left side, for example, if Nurse goes down or Kulak goes down, I think Broberg is the first one you look at to play in a more offensive role. Well, and him getting that, like those minutes down in Baco, like I'm, I'm curious to see what it does for the confidence in his game. Like, well, I just, I hope so, and I hope that he's not doesn't take it as a negative hit to his confidence just getting sent down in the first place yeah be like sure and just be happy nobody claimed you (laughs) yeah exactly um so yeah that that basically takes care of the lineup um campbell skinner no real shocker as you mentioned um i i would love to see that 50 30 split yeah um, that's what i'm picturing maybe even closer, depending on how many back-to-backs, or back-to-backs, back-backs. Back-backs. Uh, back-to-backs we have this season. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think that's all of the big roster-specific things. So yeah. I think we're pretty set, barring tomorrow's uh, paper transactions, to see who's actually remaining on the roster, to see who's opening night for um, Wednesday's game against Vancouver. But effectively, we can just take a moment and pause and just appreciate and be thankful <laughs> uh dylan holloway's cracked the roster he did everything he did the, everything that broberg didn't yes yes because people had holloway penciled in on that third line yeah but he came in and played above expectations and earned himself a spot on the second line it was almost as if like when he started camp they're like all right we'll throw him into the first game and they're like huh we'll throw him into the second game Okay. Bit of a struggle. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Let's see how he does with dry And they kept feeding him in, and, like, he like he, he just fought his way. He basically walked in, and, you know, I'm, I'm playing on the second line, and, and he proved it. So uh, very exciting times there. Um, yeah, we'll jump into some of the Oilers uh, news that happened over the past week. Steve Stales was hired as a special advisor to hockey operations. I am a very large fan of this move. I love Steve Steos. He's done great things with uh, Hamilton Bulldogs, right? Yeah. Where they Fresh won. off the OHL championship. Yeah, they've been killing it. So I think that's great. And I would not be surprised, because he was the GM of the Bulldogs, Yeah, that they're grooming him for future GMing. Yeah, I've seen some things floating around that this is kind of Kenny Holland's uh, protege in, in training. I think this is kind of the same thing that they did with uh, Stevie Y uh, yeah. in Detroit. And so... I think um, I, I think it's just a matter of time, but I think Steve Steos is a very smart hockey guy, um, and I know a lot of people will go around and say, "Oh, it's another ex Oiler that you're hiring," but there's differences. Like, no offense to Ryan Smith, but I'm not putting him anywhere in management. But I have no clue about his management yeah, skills. Yeah. but he hasn't done anything. Yeah, exactly. Of hockey. It, it it feels like a lot of the jobs that they gave. Um, in the past were just for the sake of yeah. having a job and being Well, it'd be involved. like in Vancouver, I believe the Sedins are the, like the yeah. co-GMs of the Abbotsford Canucks. I keep <laughs> wanting to say heat. So like that, with those guys having no experience, for example, in management, it felt more like a nepotism hire outside of Steos, who actually has experience and has shown that he has had ex- success in that role. Yeah. Well, and you think of other Oilers who... Like, have kind of finished their careers. Like, look at Sean Horkoff and the work that he's doing. Um, Steve Stale's obviously proven himself last year. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm a big fan of the, the move, for sure. Um, so, the other the other thing we wanted to get into is this Oilers Plus. Did they announce anywhere that there's a it's a streaming service? 
No, it's it's their their streaming subscription service. I'm air quoting right now. So more fucking so, money that we have to pay for shit. I th- I think it's like pretty cheap. It's like a few bucks a month or something like that. And I believe the way that it's supposed to work, from what I gather from people speculating, because yeah, they didn't yeah, really announce exactly. anything, yeah. is that it's going to have a lot of like player features, uh, like one-on-one interviews. I believe that uh, oil change type documentary they were talking about, that's supposed to go on there. But to my knowledge, they cannot have actual Oilers games on this service because they don't have the broadcasting rights. Right. I, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see what is like what the product actually is, and and of course having an Oilers podcast is pretty fucking tough not to have. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, I have a hard time wanting that extra content exactly. when it doesn't have like the games. But I, how am I to say no to extra content at the yeah, same time? That's fair. I, I want. Yeah, we'll have to see what winds up uh, shaking out because I know the. I would love to see like the behind the scenes shit that they're doing with all the teams. I, I was just watching today. Um, they had the Nashville Predators, um, whatever documentary that one's called. But I was watching a bit of that. Like, why don't we have that for Edmonton? The only memory of that we have, like Daryl Cates owns a fucking movie production company. That's true. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they don't do that. I find like I loved watching that oil chain series yeah. when they did that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because maybe the viewership wasn't great on it, but to be fair, I believe when that series was airing, the team wasn't particularly good. Yeah. So nowadays, especially with people wanting to see a more in-depth look at the locker room so we can stop hearing about how, like, there's cancers in the locker room when you see everybody's just mm-hmm. enjoying themselves and getting along. But, like, I would love to see that last season to see this the contrast between Tippett's locker room to, like, Woodcroft's locker room, for example. Well, and I just hope that, like... So I, I'm not a big uh, uh, F1 guy, but I know that when they film that Netflix documentary that there is some outcry because they had to create some sort of storyline to it. And so due, due to the editing, some things were like portrayed differently. Oh, yeah. Like, I just You, you kind of hope that you don't have a situation like that where players start getting upset and shit like yeah. that. So, I mean. I'm pretty sure I watched an episode of that Drive to Survive show. Yeah. And it was like they're talking about how it was a rivalry between these two guys. And it skipped over the, like, it did the entire race, but it skipped over the fact that one of those guys DQ'd on the first lap <laughs> or something like that. And it was like, oh, so it wasn't even that close, this race. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see what ends up uh, with uh, the streaming service, what we're all going to get out of it. But, yeah, we need more content. Honestly, that's when I fell in love with Ryan Whitney. Like, I didn't care how shit bum he was as a player, but, like, when you saw him in those uh, oil, um, is it oil country? Oil change. Oil change. Why did I say oil country? Um, when you saw him in uh, those episodes, like, he was just a, a funny as hell dude. Like, he definitely speaks to why he's doing what he's doing right now. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah. Um, can we go one fucking week without some, like, bad news coming out? Jesus I don't think you Christ. can go a day without it. With uh, this next thing we're going to talk about. And, like, you saw the Ian Cole shit from yesterday yes like that was all in one day and then i think there was a bunch of drama about the some vp for the montreal canadians doing a whole bunch of tweets defending that logan mayu guy or whatever his name is yeah but either way the news that we're going to talk about we're not going to end on this note because as we said we don't want to end on bad notes there seems to be a lot of bad notes near the ends of these podcasts lately though i don't want (laughs) to have to talk about it but um, the Bakersfield Condors head athletic trainer, um, he has been charged with a 
felony offense for contacting a minor to commit a sexual offense Fucking in the state of California. Diddler, hey? Jesus yeah. Christ. So, I've got the statement up from the Condors yeah. here. So uh, it reads, earlier today, we became aware that Bakersfield head athletic trainer Chad Drown has been charged with very serious felony offenses related to contacting a minor to commit a sexual offense in the state of California. We are shocked and dismayed by the news, and Mr. Drown has been relieved of his duties immediately. So I, mean, I think the number one most important thing about this specific tweet by them mm-hmm. is that he was fired yeah. immediately. Yeah. No suspension, no anything, because these are actual felony charges associated with this guy. I don't even want to say his name. Yeah. Um, so they fired him immediately, and I would certainly hope that they didn't know anything about this beforehand. And if they did, they were the ones who reported in the first place to, like, the police. Well, and just reading some of the stuff, like, all the comments, nobody's ever fucking happy with anything. Like, everyone's like, you uh, you didn't vet him well enough. Um, there's other things about, like, how uh, they waited till 7.45 that night to, to post it. Like, what the fuck else is Bakersfield supposed to do? Like, well, I'm sure they're, like full-on, like, five-alarm panicking when they're yeah. like, what the fuck? You can't just, like, go out and tweet. Like, this has to go through a PR, Yeah, like, like unfortunately, as much as people don't want to hear that part, like, yes. these need to go through the cycles to get the proper PR out. Like, you look at the Ian Cole situation, he yeah. let out a tweet where it was very, very clearly through a lawyer. Yes. Very, like, I will... Cooperate. I will cooperate with all investigations, and I will not comment any further until this matter has been resolved. Yeah. And it's like, that's... It's the robotic lawyerness of how mm-hmm. it works. And I loved the second that those charges are there, They maybe they did fire him immediately the second yeah. they heard about it. But they can't do a public address about it. They can be like, we heard about this, so he's fired. Because that opens them up to potential litigation if... Yeah. Let's just say, like... Obviously, there's the innocent until proven yes, guilty yes, part of this. Yes. So I don't want to drag somebody through the mud yet. But I, they have to be careful with that because I've I've dealt with some stuff out, like, not my work or anything, but yep. with, like, I've been reading about situations where there's been people who are let go for weird means. Yep. And then there's a big lawsuit about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately the only thing that actually matters is that the actions that need to be taken are taken. Yeah. So as, as long as he got fired, arrested, and he's sitting in jail, you can give me till tomorrow that, like, if you want to tweet yeah. this out. Well, Bakersfield as a team, what's the number one thing they could do? Fire him. Yes. They did that. Yeah. Next thing, cooperate with authorities to help the best they can. And I'm certain they are going to do that. Yes. So with that being said, this is so... Fuck. I'm so tired of this shit that all this shit's happening. But with that also being said, I'm happy that I know. this is coming out. It's it's the hockey Me Too movement, but it's about fucking time. And all these pieces of shit are getting thrown under the bus. Yeah. And hopefully that bus is very heavy and going very fast. Well, and then uh, did you see the nose? No, was the news from um, Akeem Alou? And so he's he's running. Well, I saw Steve Simmons make a terrible tweet that is getting what him potentially canceled. What a fucking shit bum that guy. Pretty is. much, he was saying stuff along the lines of like Akimalu doesn't know shit. Oh my god! And then now he's getting uh, pretty canceled by the uh, Twitterverse. He is such a shithead. Um, there is someone that so that's probably why they're. I saw a clip that was resurfaced uh, of Brian Burke. Um, they interviewed him. It must have been right after he got fired from the Leafs. And uh, the question is, like, do you plan on heading, from Steve Simmons, was do you plan on heading uh, Hockey USA? 
at the next championship. He's mm-hmm. like, ask them. He's like, you know what the best part of today is? Is I'll never have to talk to you again. <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> well, it's it goes back to how we were talking about these reporters are just like, I don't know, they're going above what sports reporting is supposed to be. Yeah. And they're commenting on these people as like as they are as the human beings where they're not necessarily qualified to do so. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope that all the stories get told and that more people come forward if shit keeps happening. But um, I, I hope that we just, you know, clean house and this news can just stop. Yeah. Because unfortunately, it's just. It's, I'm praying that next week we don't have to talk about something like this again. Yeah, yeah, literally praying. Um, yeah, so just figured um, it is Thanksgiving, so in the essence, uh, I figured we could toss around something that we're thankful for uh, with respect to the Oilers this season. I know what I'm thankful for. Okay. That everybody we sent down cleared waivers. That's... And we don't have to worry about anything like last year where we lost Forsberg <laughs> to waivers and we're like, now who's our next goalie? Yeah, that that's a pretty good one. I was thinking about it because, I mean, we didn't really lose anybody. Um, Sam Arukov, we got an asset back for. True, it wasn't just future considerations. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite NHL player. Um, I think the one thing that I'm extremely thankful for is I finally feel confident heading into the season with a decent goalie tandem for the first time in years. Yeah, at least in the last four years. Since having Cam Talbot as our starter after he proved he could be a starter, this is the most confident I've been in our goalies in a long time. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely bright, bright futures ahead. So um, with that being said, do you have any hot takes for the, the season? We, we kind of don't really have any predictions. So uh, one prediction? On the schedule, yeah. Um, Holloway wins the Calder. Holloway. So I looked up the, the odds. He's not even listed on the top 20. Yeah. That's, that's my prediction. And we'll we'll see how the roster shakes out tomorrow, but that's my prediction. And that goes to odds. So that's, that's basically assuming he's going to be above 15 plus 1500. Yeah. So, I mean, what's a hundred bucks to throw down there? (laughs) A quick, like $15,000. It's, uh, if not more, (laughs) yeah. We'll see what ends up happening there, but that that's an interesting one. I was going to say that uh, just looking at the, the standings and stuff, I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to finish um, hot take. I think the Oilers are going to finish first in the Western Conference. In the Western Conference? Okay. Yes. Compared to against Colorado? Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty hot take. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you that. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's going to... Um, completely come to fruition, but I, I'm the reason that I'm I'm calling the hot take is I don't think Colorado comes out hot out of the gates. You think they got the cup hangover? I think they got the cup hangover. I think they they lost um, a couple pieces that were probably bigger than they expected with um, Kadri. Uh, Kadri, yeah, like he had a huge role on that team. Um, we'll we'll end up seeing like Kale McCarr is going to be Kale McCarr, Nate McKinnon, Landis Gog. I just think that this is the Oilers' year. I think this is it. That's that's a bold claim to say it's the Oilers' year. So I'm I'm down. I agree. <laughs> As my homer pick, I yeah. would put money down on Edmonton right now if the odds were better. For some reason, the odds suck because everybody thinks Edmonton's going to win. So <laughs> stop betting on Edmonton to win, so I can bet when the odds go down. Well, just thank like thank and pray that uh, EA Sports. I think they ran their simulation and at least won the cup. So that's uh, true. They had Edmonton in the. I thought they. I thought the, uh, what is it? Pittsburgh won. Against Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh beat the Leafs in the Eastern Conference Final. 
Colorado beat Edmonton in the Western Conference Final, and then Pittsburgh won the Cup. Oh, my God. Okay, maybe I'm looking at something. One final one for Crosby, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, I think we're pretty much covered and up to date with everything Oilers at the moment. So just to finally touch up, um, touch on everything, before the season starts on Wednesday, one final note, it's Stanley Cup Finals or bust this year. Absolutely. I Well, I'd be – my expectation is Western Conference Finals. Yes. But and if you go above that, then that's exceeding my expectations. Yes. If we don't make it there, I will be disappointed. So, if we don't make it to the Western Conference Final minimum. Okay. And that I'll, better be a good series. I I I agree with you. Um, would you rather? How does this question go? I'm gonna fuck it up if I ask it the wrong way. Uh, would you rather win? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no shit. In the Western Conference, only to be swept uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Or losing Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. I'd rather make it to the Cup Finals. And get swept? As long as it's not against the Leafs, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I think I would, yeah. Where's that river that I was looking for last week? <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, with that being said, we got a brand new season. It all starts. Uh, T-48 hours. So, let's go Oilers. <laughs>